0: Raising emotionally, socially, physically, and spiritually healthy kids is exhausting. And it requires healthy relationships. A generation ago, routine face-to-face parent-child interaction was just part of raising children. And now, excessive screen time really helped diminish this kind of essential face-to-face interaction. So it's more important than ever for parents to be intentional in making this face-to-face interaction possible with their kids, well, a top priority. Today on Licensed to Parent, we'll be talking with Dr. Nicholas Carderis, and he'll give us an update on the inherent dangers of digital abuse. We'll learn how to mitigate those dangers and how to use a moderate amount of screen time to benefit your family. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. Our host is the founder and executive director of Shepherd's Hill, Trace Embry. Trace is the author of The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill. And I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal Unlicensed Licensed Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. You know, Trace, it seems that more and more people are waking up to what digital technology is doing to them as human mm-hmm. beings. And while people are slowly waking up to this problem, you know, many really don't realize the extent of That's right. the problem. And it seems like a lot of people just don't know what to do about it. And that includes parents. But aren't parents the ones who are supposed to be setting <laughs> the examples for their kids?
1: Yeah, you know that old saying that we were always telling parents here at Shepherd's Hill, uh, our actions speak so loudly that our kids can't hear what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Yet I'm always amazed at the cognitive dissonance that still seems to you know, cloud the minds of, of so many people about this subject. I'll ask parents and even people in high-profile ministries and mental health, no less, whether any dependent minor should have unfettered access to his or her own smartphone. And virtually to a person, they all tell me no. Yet when pressed, I discover that many of their own kids actually have unfettered access to their own smartphones. I even talked to one guy who made his living as a parenting expert, okay? Off-mic, I talked to him. After giving him my two-minute elevator speech as to why these addictive adult toys should not be an option for kids, this guy agreed with me. He said that no dependent minors should have unfettered access to a smartphone. He mimicked exactly what I said. And then proceeded to tell me that he'd already given his kids unfettered access to their own smartphones. And that's when he sheepishly went on to say how hard it was to take these devices back from his kids. Mm -hmm. He told me, you've made a case I can't disagree with. He says, I can't, there's no way I can argue it. He says, but it's just so hard. Now, this is the same guy who counsels parents that they have to make hard decisions Mm -hmm. and that they have to make their kids do hard things. How is this not a classic example of an addiction-based delusion? You tell me. (laughs) <laughs> That's
0: true. I have to say you're completely right on that, Therese. Well, screen addictions is something that our guest today knows very well, and he can help unfold all this dilemma for us. Our guest is Dr. Nicholas Carderas. He is an Ivy League educated psychologist, an internationally renowned speaker and one of the country's foremost addiction experts. And he's considered a leading expert on young people and digital addiction. Dr. K, as he's known as, wrote Glow Kids, and it's been translated into 10 languages. Dr. Carderas lives in Austin, Texas with his wife and twin boys.
1: Well, Dr. K, welcome back to License to Parent.
2: Yeah, great to be back. Thank you, Trace. and Nice to meet you, Michelle. It's great to be on the show.
0: You too. Thank you.
1: Uh, now that our government and the American citizenry uh, seem to have acquired a bit more sanity with, the, with respect to the COVID pandemic in recent times, uh, looking back, has anything happened over the past couple of years that would change your attitude toward the power and influence of digital technology on the hearts and minds of human beings, particularly kids?
2: Yeah, I, I think quite a lot has happened. In, and I've actually just finished uh, the, the follow-up book to Glow Kids. It's coming out in September. Not not to plug it, mm. but it's really relevant. It's uh, the, the it's it. cut co- the new book that's coming out in September is digital madness and how social media is driving our mental health crisis. And, and it's, Mm -hmm. I think the narrative a few years ago, trace when I think you and I first met and we started talking, there was a growing awareness that the love affair that we were having as a society with our, shiny devices were were potentially problematic and potentially addicting and and that was a, it kind of a shocking news flash because a lot of older people our age really conflated the little devices with television and many of us grew up on television so we didn't really see the harm when we let the digital right. fox into the chicken coop and then we started seeing the the impacts and the and the big awakening a few years ago was okay these are addicting and then we've had a lot of information from big tech, social media, the social dilemma, and the Facebook whistleblower, Francis Hagen, who let us know that these are addicting by design, that this was no accident. Mm-hmm. But the the bigger piece that, quite honestly, I'm um, saddened by, terrified by, because I'm a parent of 15-year-old twin boys myself, is the shaping influence of this addiction. So not only have we, have we essentially addicted our kids to these devices, but now we're finding mm-hmm. out just how impactful that addiction is so we've trapped yeah. our kids in these digital cages but now we're seeing for, and, and forget the basic level of mental health issues like depression anxiety that was a given you know we know that if you're stuck in the basement sedentary without face-to-face contact you're going to be more depressed but now we're right. seeing that they're really um via influencers on tiktok and social media they're mm-hmm. actually shaping how our young people uh, their sense of identity, uh, their right. sense of how they perceive the world, very reactive black and white thinking, polarization, the inability to critically think. And so this right. epidemic that we're seeing of everything from transgenderism, the, the, the phenomenal spike in transgenderism, to the spike that we're seeing in borderline personality disorders, to the spike that we're seeing in dissociative disorders, we have documented um, the research and, and evidence from pediatricians that influencers on social media with these disorders are creating a social contagion effect where our impressionable young people who watch thousands of hours of these influencers who manifest these disorders are now creating a copycat effect. Yeah. So that's the that's, that's shocking they... newest revelation that's happening mm-hmm. over the last couple of years
1: yeah and you know i don't think parents realize i think you you know guys like you and others and, um i don't th- we have we've, we've understood this but uh i don't think the the masses understand that uh uh time spent on these excessive time spent on these devices is actually rewiring the brains of individuals how, not just how they critically think but how they constructively think and creatively think and uh, this is creating a whole new kind of human being that you yep. can, you can uh, uh, present all the logic, you could film it, you could put on hand puppets and act it out for them, <laughs> they don't get it. They just well, don't get it. Yeah,
2: yeah. The, the, the main thing, when you put a, a child, especially an infant on the device, the main thing that you're initially doing is you're priming that infant slash child slash teenager, you're priming them for impulsivity right? So these mm-hmm. are instant gratification wired. Now now their prefrontal cortex, the part of their brain that develops that allows them to delay gratification to consequentially think that gets obliterated. So, so we, we have right. a highly impulsive generation, right? So what does impulsivity look like? Well, impulsivity begins to look like other types of addictive disorders are really emotional reactivity, right? We have a lot of young people and it's the stereotype, right? Isn't the stereotype of Gen Z and millennials that they need the safe space trigger warnings? Well, we've created a a bubble wrapped generation of young kids that are hyper impulsive and not able to um, live life on life's terms because they're so used to not feeling discomfort and pushing a button and escaping whatever, difficulty they're going through well that's not well they're emotionally
1: fragile so they're just emotionally fragile
2: so so no resilience and emotional fragility to the millionth degree but that's just the price of admission to the carnival once you're inside the carnival now now you have this these fragile impressionable young people who are getting imprinted with these toxic influencers and now this is way beyond kardashian um Materialism and empty values, which is a big part of it. Let's face it, our kids now are hyper materialistic because their role models are these toxic influencers. You know, Trace, when you and I were growing up, I think, you know, we we liked sports and, you know, you want to be like Mike and we want to emulate John Elway or Michael Jordan or whatever it was. And our sports yeah. stars and our movie stars, they had a, a shaping influence to some degree, right? We wanted to kind of be like some of our maybe sports or. Or pop culture role models, but now mm-hmm. the influencer effect is pervasive and twenty four seven. And so, to me, the best example in the last eighteen months of just how um, these influencers can literally spread psychiatric disorders is the TikTok Tourette's phenomenon. Because I think this mm-hmm. might be the best snapshot that I can give your listeners um, in the mm-hmm. last year and a half. Uh, pediatricians all over the country were noticing that adolescent females, young teenage girls, were all of a sudden showing signs of Tourette's syndrome, like they were having these arm tics and facial tics, and they were blurting out words. And, and that was strange because typically Tourette's disorder is three-to-one boy, you know, male to female, that, and, right. and you usually don't get it in, in teenagers, you usually get it in early childhood. So these pediatricians were scratching their head and they were wondering what's going on that we're getting a couple of thousand of teenage girls who are showing Tourette's disorder. And so all of a sudden when they looked into the profile of each of these young women, they found that there were three TikTok influencers that were famous on TikTok for their Tourette's videos. And so they would go on TikTok, and they would do, and I don't even think these influences, quite honestly, Trace, I looked at their videos. This was performative Tourette's. These were, like, exaggerated army. Mm. I've worked with real Tourette's disorder. This wasn't the real deal, but these were, well, let me back up. Who gets, what's the coin of the realm? What's the value that's most valuable in the social media realm, it's, it's followers. Likes. And who gets the most Likes. followers Likes. is the most over-the-top dramatic behavior. So now you have these performative, psychiatrically unwell young women, and there were three of them, and they literally had over two billion views of their Tourette's videos. And what they started yeah. seeing is that their followers started mimicking the Tourette's disorder. In fact, one of the influencers was British, and these American girls started blurting out words uh, with a British accent, so Dude. it was a, a classic example, and then we 've seen that a whole across a whole spectrum of uh, of what? issues so So if these influencers are able to to spread via viral toxin uh Tourette 's disorder, forget value systems and everything else it's, it's then we you know we can get into the transgender piece because that's well, another thing that 's happening that 's that's that's a, just a new phenomenon. That's yeah. incredible to, this to watch.
1: The, the circus used to make a bunch of money, uh, traveling circus uh, <laughs> with their freak shows. Well, now we have a seven billion man freak show mm-hmm. that is free of charge, <laughs> yeah. and uh, we acquired yeah. appetites uh, for this kind of stuff. And we and need to get out. We need re- to figure out how to, to get a, out right. of that well, circus yeah, or well, that carnival. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is Dr. Nicholas Garderas, Dr. K is an expert on digital addiction. Trace Embry, Dr. K, and I will be back right after this.
3: In today's digital age, there's more access than ever to digital devices. With technology constantly evolving to make our lives easier, is it any wonder that many feel as though they just can't live without it? Digital addiction can be just as chemically debilitating as drugs. Time in front of a screen can drastically affect the life of your child. For starters, your child may choose technology over simple things like playing outside and engaging in exercise, acquiring a job, and gaining life experience. To learn more about how digital addiction can affect your child, visit HelpMyTroubledTeen.org, click on Resources, and look for the article, What is Digital Addiction? Parenting isn't easy. Shepherd's Hill Academy wants to equip you with resources for all areas and issues of life. Discover a variety of ebooks, podcasts, links, and more to help you navigate the parenting landscape. Help by TroubledTeen.org.
4: Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting, isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24-7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology, issues that affect health, wellness, ability, to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at License to Parent, we want you to choose a wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at LicenseToParent.org slash wise phone.
0: Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherd's Hill Academy. Shepherd's Hill is a one-year residential program for teens in crisis. And today, we are helping you, the parent, think through your kid and maybe their digital addiction. Our guest today is Dr. Kaderes. And, and Trace, you know, if if the circus or the carnival isn't bad enough, like, all of a sudden, we have all these mass shootings going on. And, and
1: Dr. K., it's said that uh, 98% of mass shootings are linked to mental illness. But the question I have is what's causing the mental illness? Drugs, perhaps, but there's another link to, to uh, mass shootings. Uh, violent video games and probably bullying on the Internet, and you say.
2: Yeah, I, I think those are all factors. And, and I, I think, you know, obviously the obsession with focusing on the gun piece is, uh, you know, quite honestly, I think uh, somewhat this guy would look out all for, I think, having uh, sane gun laws that are are. What's, what was the Matthew McConaughey phrase that he used, uh, not gun control, but gun responsibility, right? So putting that aside, the deeper underlying issue goes even beyond mental health because, yeah, we know that we're always going to have these outlier, psychiatrically unstable young people. But the larger disease that I think is sweeping through our young people is the disease of emptiness. There's a disease of just, let's call it a sense of being adrift. Um, I got a word from my, I'm Greek Orthodox, and my priest, who is a a bit of a historian and classicist, uh, he turned me on to a word that I wasn't familiar with, an ancient Greek word called asidia. And asidia was an ancient word that meant a spiritual malaise, a spiritual emptiness. And yeah. and I think that phrase, that word, really captures what the digital age has done and what's made young people ripe for acting out. Because so many young people that I work with, they don't have any sense of intrinsic core values, any sense of spiritual connection. Right. And so they're these sort of empty vessels. And when we're dealing with empty vessels who are just inundated with all this imagery, they feel a lack of sense of purpose and meaning in their lives. Pick, for example, the young man that was going to assassinate uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh explicitly said he wanted to assassinate uh, Judge Kavanaugh because, for a sense of purpose, to, to feel a sense of meaning. Yeah. Um, so, and then, and then the, the Buffalo shooter said the same thing. That he, Well, not the same thing. He said that he was radicalized by the Internet. So, so we have empty vessels that are being, um, that are searching for something, and then when you have a social contagion, and the social contagion is, is sort of group think, copycat behavior that goes viral, and, mm. and, and here's the, the example that I like to point out. The first school shooting was 1966, the Texas Tower shooter, and then we have Columbine over 30 years later in 1999, and after Columbine, which was really the first digital age school shooting, we have this this epidemic that keeps mimicking itself, because now you have, let's call it an exemplar, a role model of, of okay, if you're empty, lost, quote-unquote loser, I, you know, I hate to use that language, or let's face it, a lot of these kids feel like losers, and I can commit this act of violence, there's a couple of things that are happening. I, I feel a sense of power, like the sadists usually do, right? Because I feel powerful if I can make somebody feel pain. Um, I'm going to be notorious because I'm going to be now infamous for my 15 minutes of notoriety as I, you know, if I feel like I'm a nobody, I'm going to now live in infamy because of my actions. And I'm going to feel some sense of sensation because so many of the young people I work with tell me that they feel nothing. And, And paradoxically, a common phrase that I hear is I feel nothing, and yet by the same token, I'm overwhelmed. Like the world is too much, and yeah, yet that's the, it's that's, not the, enough. that's the cutters.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the self-harm people. Yeah. But you, when you were, you used the word spirituality, you took the words right on my, that's what I was gonna talk about. Uh, this is a moral and spiritual problem, but no one's, uh, very few people anywhere are talking about the spiritual component that we've you know kicked out of the equation. Uh, And the internet is basically just our sin nature as human beings on steroids. It's our sin nature on steroids. It's got seven billion people can now justify our particular warped proclivities. It's 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 it's
2: an adult situation. I call it our id on steroids, right? Because it's our it's our lizard brain with kerosene poured on it, and because because that's what feeds the the algorithms that are based on polarization, and, and, it will, and they call it in, in the big tech world, they call it an extremification loop. And, and so the moderate, rational, critically thinking adult is not going to get any traction on any of these digital platforms and social media because that just doesn't tickle the lizard brain. So it's going to be the emotionally reactive extreme, and then the algorithms are going to take that and amplify it and amplify it and amplify it. So now you have a polarity chasm, and, and what I'm suggesting in my new book, Digital Madness, is I think our young people's brains have been restructured in a way that they can't even process nuance and gray, the gray area of... Uh, right. Uh, they, they just see things in polarity buckets. Black and white. Uh, red well, and blue. Love, We're hate.
1: being turned into an algorithm. We're, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're being turned into an algorithm with, with uh, DNA. and, That's right. and That's uh, right. The problem is algorithms don't have a soul. All right, they they just don't have a soul. Now I'm a, I'm a, I was going to put this in the form of a question. i was just going to say it. I think we can. I think a person can have too much knowledge. All right. I really do. I, I don't want the, the the Russians to know our nuclear codes. I don't want my kid to know how to have uh, group sex uh, or sex with an animal or any kind of other crazy stuff that's going on out there. So I think we can have too much knowledge. George Bernard Shaw, that great theologian of the past, uh, he said, "Beware of." I'm joking about that. <laughs> Beware of false knowledge. It's more dangerous than ignorance. Well. Too much knowledge breeds false knowledge, but too much knowledge also breeds indecision, which breeds anxiety, which breeds depression, which breeds warped sense of reality, which breeds a warped sense of self, which breeds self-destructive behaviors, which breeds self-harm, which can lead to suicidal ideations and or accidental death, which brings us to the second leading cause of death among Today's teens, which is suicide. But remember, it all started with too much knowledge, much of it false knowledge. And remember what brought sin into the world to begin with. It was the tree of knowledge. Where did I go wrong there?
0: So my question now is, now that we have pulled back the curtain and we see how awful, we see the depths of despair that's going on here, how do we get out of the carnival? How do we help our kids understand not only how bad it is, but where they need to be going.
2: You know, it's interesting. So, right. So there's, a, there's an old metaphor in the recovery community that getting clean and sober doesn't make the ocean less turbulent. It just makes you a better swimmer. And and I think to some degree, I don't know if we can get out of the carnival, but mm. right? the carnival is so all-pervasive right now that we're swimming in it. We're, we're awash in it. We can't, you know, short of going... Um, up to the mountaintop and being Amish. a rec- recluse, right? <laughs> Amish or, or Ted Kaczynski or, uh, you know, so becoming a recluse. Um, so I think the challenge becomes arming our kids in a way that they become better swimmers metaphorically. So, how do mm. our kids, how do we bake into young people a sense of uh, spiritual connection, civic responsibility, critical thinking? These are all the ingredients that make kids better swimmer Through swimmers through this really toxic ocean that they're swimming in. And, and you know, and, and Trace, we could call it knowledge. I might call it also informa- information. We might make a distinction between information and knowledge because there's just so much information overload that, you know, you know I, I get caught up in all this nonsense about disinformation and misinformation. A person who's got good critical thinking skills, they can discern what's nonsense and what's not. You know, I, I, I laugh because, you know, I, I think this, this movement for censorship and disinformation uh, czars is, is absurd because, you know, Trace, when you and I were growing up, there was always the National Enquirer, right? Nobody ever believed right. that there was, you know, some people might have believed some stories, but to some degree, we trusted people to be able to use their God-given critical thinking to be able to discern rubbish from reality. And And now we feel like we have to kind of uh, gatekeep people and and sort of um and I don't know if we if we get to do that. Now obviously as parents, I'm a parent of fifteen year olds. They're not on social media and they have gab phones and awesome. I'm gonna have them swimming in as less toxic water as I can. But there they're they're exposed to things. They've seen YouTube and you know Netflix and we watch movies together. Yeah. So it's my job to make them fully baked, thoughtful, empathic, smart mm. Critical thinkers with a spiritual connection, if I can do that, then I've given them an immunization shot against some of this stuff mm-hmm.
0: yeah, how do you moderate their screen time
2: well so they only they only really got so they got a, a gab phone when they were in eighth grade, so when they were thirteen, mm-hmm. so you know the narrative that I was always taught and that I always used to try to tell parents was delay, delay, delay is wait as long as possible mm-hmm. before you give your childhood device because they're more able to, uh, to not be sucked into it if they're a little bit older because their brains have developed a little bit more. But then, you know, they don't have their devices overnight. Their school just now, their high school has given them uh, a tablet, and, and they have it during certain amounts of time, and we do regulate it. Um, but, but the main thing is we don't allow them to do social media So and gaming. My, my kids have never gamed, so no gaming, no social media, and when they go on screen time, you know, they watch movies and sports and things like that. So I try to at least manage the content in a way that they're not ingesting the more toxic content.
1: Yeah. Well, God bless you, brother. Uh, I so appreciate you. If you're ever in Northeast Georgia, come on by here. Absolutely.
0: Dr. K, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for your work.
1: Thank you both.
0: Our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been Dr. Nicholas Carderis. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. K, go to drkaderes.com. That's D-R-K-A-R-D-A-R-A-S K-A-R-D-A-R-A-S.com. com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is just the audio portion of a larger organization of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long premier Christian boarding school for teens in crisis. And I want to invite you to learn more about this ministry to teens and their families at our website, licensedaparent.org. Shepherd's Hill Academy provides nature based therapy programs for boys and girls ages 12 to 17, and we need your help to continue doing what we do. Would you consider giving a financial gift to Shepherd's Hill to bring hope? and healing to families in crisis. You can give securely online by clicking the donate button at the top of the page when you visit LicensedToParent.org. Your gift is tax deductible. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your License to Parent.
1: And remember folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless. See you next time.